I've learned so many languages, learned so many different cultures just because, you know, you see people who literally get on a boat with nothing but the clothes on their backs and create empires. So how, like, if I grew up and was born in America and my parents did everything, there's free public school that's schooling and Back then, New York City public schooling was amongst the best in the nation. Don't know where it is now. Discipline is simple. It's just remembering what you want. So don't forget to always prioritize what they can't see. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Rise Above, where you'll be able to listen, learn, and grow from individuals who have rose above their circumstances, which led them to what they define as success. First and foremost, I want to thank all the listeners for all the support for making this podcast possible, and most of all, the guests that I've been fortunate enough to have on the show. Now, I've been blessed in life to have a great group of friends that are not only doing remarkable things for themselves, but also impacting the lives lives of others around them. Today, I have a special guest that always delivers a ton of value from the streets of Brooklyn, New York to a South Florida entrepreneur. He has not only made multiple six figures in multiple industries, but has changed countless lives by his selfless leadership. He's a mogul in the insurance industry, and I can't wait for you guys to hear this powerful story from my brother and business partner, Mr. Sam Lammy, aka Sam Millions. Thank you so much for being on the show, my brother. Man, I appreciate you, Avi, man. It's always great. It's been a while. So um, just so you know a little bit about Rise Above and what we're trying to do here, you know, everybody, when they look at social media, they look at all the success, people never get to hear about the story behind the glory, right? They think success is just a snap of a finger. They think people are, you know, they just fell into that kind of life. And what I try to do is bring guests on here and have them talk about their story, like what what circumstances, what did you have to rise above in your life that got you to where you got to? So I'm, gonna, I'm just going to dive right into it. So talk to me about who is Sam Millions? I mean, you know, <laughs> Sam Millions, kid from Brooklyn, New York, two immigrant parents. Um, you know, uh, growing up in New York, you know, in the 90s was a little different. Um, You definitely had to be tough and protect yourself and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, they're just the ways of the community. Like you had to follow a code. Yeah. And um, so I was a kid that was told would never, you know, make it, you know, would be either dead or in jail by 18. And uh, I remember the first time I heard it, I, I, you know, I like proving people wrong, you know. So um, the first time I heard it, like it, it sparked something in me, even though I didn't know what it, what it was, it was just like, all right, no, I'm not going to be dead in jail, but I didn't know how to really change my circumstances. I was young and uh, quite frankly, you know, almost becoming a product of my environment. Mm -hmm. But the beauty of like growing up in New York is that you've always you're always exposed to so many different cultures, so many different wealth classes. And I think that that shaped me because although um, I grew up in poverty, you know, I was able to um, 
uh, experience, especially in New York, and we talked about this before, mm-hmm. like being from Brooklyn, New York, East New York, Carnarsie, Crown Heights, yeah, you know, Brooklyn, you know, back in the 90s, not what it is today, mm-hmm. um, you know, everyone was poor. You know, Everybody. I know we were poor because everyone had the same circumstances, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, being able to take the subway, go into the city, and rub shoulders with businessmen and businesswomen that are making multi-millions of dollars, even though I didn't, had no clue what they were doing, I always aspired to be that. So, now, that, 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 now, that's huge, brother. I mean, being from New York, I know exactly what you're talking about. But most importantly is, like, the immigrant parents. And I feel like as I got older, I realized what it was to be a minority and, yeah. and our parents doing the best that they could do in the situation that they came to the the states in you know what i mean like the reality of it is they just they knew what they knew they had to adapt to a a different society a different way of living and i think um i've appreciated that as i grew up and stuff so um as far as like parents wise um what's your relationship like with them Oh man. Um, so retired my mom early last That's year. Amazing. I have a one year old daughter, Maya, and um with, you know, her being a COVID baby and all that, mm-hmm. uh, the last thing we wanted to do was have her around all these germs mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So we were able to come up with an agreement with my mom to retire her early so that, you nice. know, she would be able to take care of of my daughter and to just see the relationship, man, like I remember being like about 19 years old and the doctors gave my mom two months to live and just to be like, you know, however old I am now. And I remember thinking like I was I wasn't married, didn't have any kids or anything like that. And I remember thinking like, man, I'm going to become a man that she dreamt of and she's not going to be able to experience it. So every moment I get to see her with my my daughter and take care of my daughter and i take my daughter to her every morning to her and my dad it's like a blessing man because my dad also is a cancer survivor you know was diagnosed with cancer in 2016 and to see my daughter just you know just love her papa and her mima bro like that's that's uh huge um uh for me because both of my parents again like i said statistically shouldn't be here so um, my relationship with them is, is great, and um, I'm fortunate to have both of them in my life. So, you know, I, I, I really appreciate that. You know? now, that's huge. And like I said, like, it, it's crazy because I guess growing up, a little bit more wisdom, seeing other families and how they grew up and those that were born in the States, yeah. those that were born in America versus our type of families, right? Yeah. That, that had to immigrate over here and that had to make it from rock bottom. Yeah. Um, you, you really appreciate that growing up, but, um, you, I know we were, when we were talking, you were, you were telling me something and this is, this is super powerful. Is like, you, you never knew you were poor. Like no, you, like, no, and, no. and, and that, that's so powerful because that just shows the type of upbringing you have from your parents. But what was it like living with, like, what was it like growing up in your household? Man, it's crazy. So um, now, of course, as you guys can see, I'm a little <laughs> hefty. Um, but now, you know, I uh, I go out to eat, like, pretty much every day. You know, every day. I don't, I don't, I don't remember the last time I touched a stove. Uh, <laughs> hey, unless good, there was already that's cooked food on top of it, right? Yeah, no, um, <laughs> and so, um, you know, uh, just to think back. We 
only a and back in the day now this is gonna age me somebody's gonna go and google this when did this happen <laughs> at least in new york city um there used to be two for two big macs back in the day wow I and so that. the only time we used to eat out was when there was like chinese food so Chinese, Chinese pork, what was it go to? Uh, chicken wing, pork fried rice, or chicken mm-hmm. wings with French fries. Now there's no other place on earth that has the chicken wings and French fries like New York City. Oh, bro! You have to go, and they have to have that red, that red little thing of ketchup. <laughs> and somehow their ketchup is way better than everyone else. I don't know if they put sugar and water in it. I have no clue. But um, that's all we did. You know, I didn't know about restaurants. All I knew about was. McDonald's, Burger King, Chinese food, bro. I didn't know Wendy's was even a, a thing until like I was like in middle school, you know, junior high, and so um, you know, yeah, we didn't know they they sheltered us. We didn't know we were poor, but also everyone around us was in the same circumstances, so you thought it was normal. And then you know, being from New York City back in the nineties, almost every movie was based in New York City. And so you had no clue that there was a lifestyle outside of New York City, you know, like so, um, you know, all my cousins, my friends all had the same circumstances. They only ate Chinese food or so we, we had no clue, bro. Um, the only time, you know, again, like I mentioned earlier was, you know, you got to dream, but you thought their lifestyle going back home, it never dawned on, dawned on me that, you know, their lifestyle could be different. Like Central Air, when we moved to Florida, I was like, wow, there's something <laughs> called Central Air in a furnace. Like, we had radiators and air conditioned units in the window. Yeah, you know? bro. No, that's and, the truth. And when it was hot and it'll be 100 degrees, we'll all huddle up in the living room with that one window unit. And now I'm looking at window units, they're like $80 or whatever. <laughs> and I'm like, wow, to think that that was the commodity back then. So, I mean, no, that's that, that's huge, man. That's yeah. powerful. And I mean, like I said, it just shows like the the way our parents, I mean, yeah. they they just they knew they knew what they knew, but still did their best bringing us up. And that's uh, that's that's huge, bro. But um, I know you were you talked about your mom a lot. Right. Yeah. And um, about how she was a, like a support system. But um, main thing is you talked about sacrifice when it, when yeah. it came to her and raising you guys. So let's touch a little bit about about I'm, that. My mom is a very educated woman, like highly educated woman, and um, took courses at Columbia, New York, and everything. Like my, my mom is very, very smart. Mm-hmm. Like um, she gave up a lifestyle of or a life in nursing to make sure that her kids didn't become products of the environment. That's massive. And that's huge. Because if you think about that now, like imagine, you know, you know how much nurses make now. What if it was right now, like with the, the pandemic and travel nurses getting like $20,000 a week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, (laughs) no, you're right. Um, so when I, when I think about the sacrifices in my dad, I mean, my dad would work long hours. He would be gone before we woke up and then he'll come back well after we're done with supper sometimes. And, um, how's your relationship with your pops? It's good now. Yeah. You know, every, every young, uh, cub male always challenges, uh, (laughs) (laughs) always challenges the, the, the leader, the alpha and the pride. And so, you know, growing up, my dad and I definitely had some, you know, uh, rough battles, but um, 
you know, your parents always say you'll understand when you get older. Always. And I understand. Always. Or when you have your own kids, right? Yeah. When you have your own kids, you'll understand. understand, I understand. Oh, that's huge, man. That's huge. Um, The sacrifice that our parents actually, I mean, the same thing with my mom, uh, sacrificed a ton just to just to raise me. Fortunately, my dad's not around right now, but but just looking at all that, all the stuff that they always preached about that we were resistant to, that we were just like, nah, like it's not that way. The other kids do it like this. The other families do it like this. Like, why can't we do it like this? But you you tend to appreciate that when you look back years, years. Man, my mom was, I think I got my entrepreneurial, um, you know, mindset from my parents. I mean, they talk about if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere in New York City. Um, and that's true because my mom literally, and I'm going to say this on record, my <laughs> mom was the first Uber CEO ever. <laughs> so, you know, she wanted to make sure that she was always around for us and stuff like that. And um, there was a, a, a time where, you know, she just wanted to make extra money. And she knew of a ton of single mothers or mothers who have husbands like hers that w- worked a lot. And so she offered, she bought a minivan and she offered uh, parents um, to pick up their children so they wouldn't like be, you know, because back in New York, you take the subway, take the bus, walk all by yourself. Like we had to grow up a lot uh, sooner. But some of these kids lived in rough neighborhoods and on their way from school to um, home, they would encounter drug dealers, gangbangers, and stuff like that. So my mom offered an alternative where she would go to like six, seven schools, pick up children after school, drop them off to their parents' house, and then take us home. So like, um, you know, that was was huge. She was making crazy money off doing that. You know, she would take them. She she made more money if she... uh, took them to school and brought them home than if she just did it one way. And so it was pretty insane just to watch. And then my dad has always just been a handyman. Like to fix anything. One anything, of those, bro. bro I, I wish talking about, I wish like when he was, when, when I was younger and he would ask me to go shovel the snow and help him go underneath the car. I wish I would have done it <laughs> because now, you know, I spent twenty thirty thousand dollars a year fixing my car and I'm like, damn, I could have done this by myself. And so my dad always, uh, you know, he also did his level. Maybe he was the first on record lift owner. <laughs> but he did it at churches. Um, like he would help like uh, the elderly single ladies. Because a lot of people in New York, especially, I mean, still to this day, they didn't have their own vehicles. Right. Public transportation was just so easily accessible that there was no need for it. But there were times where, you know, like the, the local train would be shut or the express train would be shut or the bus it, it doesn't stop at your stop during certain hours. And so he made sure that he would help. And mainly it was like the single women and stuff like that. So I, 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 that's why I have a soft spot for like single mothers, single women, women who come from single households. Like, I think it's just, it just stems down from my parents, you know, um, they've always just been helpful. And, you know, in my organization now, I say this, the future is female. So I'm sure I'm to, I got three daughters, so I got to make sure the future is female. <laughs> there we go. 
<laughs> oh man, bro, that no, that's that's some powerful stuff. And um, I kind of want to switch gears to um, to 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 you, right? Like yeah. we talked about you know your career and kind of where everything started, and I think that's mm-hmm. like the most important thing. What people probably don't even know, the vast majority probably doesn't even know about what was like. Talk about what was your first love and where you thought you were headed before Man. you had a change in, in plans. Like, like, uh, timeline, you know, when I was a kid um, in Brooklyn, um, you know, again, in Brooklyn, New York at the time, you didn't really see too many people of color that were business owners. It's not like today. Not, today, everything that's is truth. easily accessible for you to see that. You know, although media tries to do whatever, that there are people out there that are doing it. I'm doing it. Jonas is doing it. You're doing it. You know, there's so many people that we know only in the insurance space and solar space that are doing it. And it was new for the insurance space, too. Yeah. (laughs) um, But back then, we didn't know that. I wasn't exposed to that. Um, So the only thing I thought I could do, I, I couldn't rap, really. So I thought basketball would be the route or baseball would be the route. And um, so I remember I probably till age like 13, I thought I was going to the NBA. Um, and I remember one of my uh, older cousins called me. She was just like, you got to aspire to be something else. Maybe a, a, a doctor, a lawyer. Maybe she doesn't even remember this conversation. But I remember because my mom went to her to be like, hey, look, Sam has no ambition in school. He thinks she's just going to go to the NBA, you know. And so it went from that to, um, you know, I always knew that I would, you know, run a business, but I just didn't know what business. Um, I'm fat now, but when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, you know, like I was in great shape. And so I started my first business at 18. Um, I worked at a, a, at a gym and I saw that all these um, personal trainers just had a lifestyle that I wanted to live. They you know, they came and went when they when they wanted to and didn't have to report to anyone. I didn't have to say, oh, I'm going to the restroom. <laughs> oh, I, I want to go to, to lunch. They looked at their clock. Oh, I don't have another client for another two hours. And then they left. And I was like, wow, okay. So um, started speaking to a couple of trainers, uh, asked them how they got the certificate, got that, started that, started a business with um, a guy who I still to this day, but we don't talk as much, but we, you know, I see him on social media, but uh, Chris Challenger, he was like Mr. Floor or whatever. That's crazy. And, um, and uh, he took me under his wing and we created a boot camp together. So I'm like 19 years old training all these like single mom, rich moms and and, <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, rich guys uh, um, doing a boot camp in a park in Winter Park, Florida. And, um, you know, then... You know, dating myself, recession hits. Recession, I man. went from like 30 people at 5 a.m., 6 a.m. doing my training on Saturdays to like three ladies. And then eventually, because their husbands own construction firms, I lost everything. So um, I went from, you know, being like a 19-year-old kid. In my mind, this was great. I had like thirty-two, thirty, three thousand dollars. You don't hear that. Saved. You don't hear uh, thirty thousand. That's crazy. <laughs> As a like nineteen-year-old kid from Brooklyn, from Brooklyn, that's you yeah. know, uh, off of you know, starting a business and you know, had some different stuff. You know, me and my friend Jared Trenton and Nick Trap. You know, uh, uh, over the summer we worked at a, a, a gym facility, 
And we went to the boss. We were like, look, there's a lot of friends, like athletes that um, uh, we know that are coming back home to Orlando from all over the country from playing sports and they want somewhere to go. We should do a summer pass. And they're like, oh, we don't do passes like that. They have to do a membership. So we were like, the boss is never here. You know, Uh, let's sign it up ourselves. And it's just so funny because I I share that story because now uh, uh, Jared Trenton, and Nick Trapp on a business, TNT Hoops. And it, like, in my mind, it started when we started making money at that That's gym. crazy. You know? That's crazy. Signing people up. And then I was a trainer and stuff like that. But once I lost everything. I- so, so yeah. So, we're at once you lost everything. So, this is something important for the listeners to, to hear. So, you're in, you get, the recession hits, right? Yeah. So, you're like, you're 19 years old. You got a little bit of money in the bank. You see your business fall apart. I mean, I don't know what you knew about the market then or not, but it's the recession. You're 19. There's only so much you know, right? Yeah. So, like, what was your mindset then when you when you got to rock bottom? Like, what what was going on in your mind at that point? Like, um, like if you take you take yourself back to that point when you saw your business falling apart and you had 30k saved up and like crumbled, crumbled everything. Like, I lost I lost every penny. Um, I remember the rock bottom. Um, I went to Walmart um, with my then girlfriend and, you know, I went in to check out and it declined. And I'm like, what? Like it had never happened to me up until that point. And uh, I was you know, a little confused. I was like, there's no way. And I logged in and it was just I guess it was a Monday and all the pending stuff on the weekend finally caught up. And I was negative $2.67, I remember, because I sat there and I was embarrassed because I just started dating her. And I'm like, yo, I'm over here like, and then she has to pay. And um, I remember there was a little bit of embarrassment, but I don't really think I was that embarrassed. I, I, I don't I don't know what it is. Like, maybe it's just something like my parents just instilled in me that I would always win. Um, but. You know, it was a, a little low moment. I spent some time, and uh, at that time, I was, like, really devoted in church and stuff like that. So I spent every morning doing cardio, listening to, like, scriptures and stuff like that. Um, and I remember we were, like, in this time of fasting kind of thing. Um, and uh, it was the last day of the fast, and this, this girl was moving out, single, another single woman, single mother, and we were helping her move. Fast ended at 3 o'clock. Before 3.10 hits, I get a call from a company that said that I would never get a sale. I, I had interviewed uh-huh. with a guy uh, previously, maybe a few weeks prior. Oh, so the interview went bad. The interview went okay, bad. Okay. I, I, like, I thought it went well, but, you know. <laughs> we, all, we, we all knew. We came out there and was like, I, I killed I was it. like, oh. My friends asked me how to go. I was like, bro, there's no way I didn't get the job. <laughs> and, uh, nah. Uh, so it, it, the first part of the interview was with, like, I guess, like, their gatekeeper, you would call. And then the actual guy who made the decision was like, he, he looked at me. He was like, you'll never make a sale, ever. He was like, you'll never make a sale here. And, again, just the competitiveness and who I am, I wanted to prove him wrong. Um, and... I remember thinking to myself, I can go six months and wait to reapply just to, to prove this guy wrong. Like, I want to prove this guy wrong. 
Well, um, a couple weeks later, you know, fast ended three ten. I can't make this up. Like it sounds crazy now because I'm not like really a church goer or anything yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. Like it sounds like it's all like make believe. <laughs> um, but I swear to you, the fast ended at three. It was like before it was three ten. Get a call. They're like, "Hey, we found a position that works for you." Da 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 da. And they were like, it was it was a Friday, and I was like, okay, when do I start? And she was like, Monday. Can you start Monday? And uh, just me being young and really, really, really like, uh, I don't want to say naive. I'm just like honest, I guess. Yeah. I was like, well, I thought I couldn't reapply for a job for another six months. Because <laughs> <laughs> he called you to be yeah, six months. Yeah. Because <laughs> it was like two weeks, two three weeks. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she called me. She's like, oh, you don't have to worry about it. It's in a different um, whatever. And I started that job. And I remember I sat down and I remembered what the commission was. And I was like, okay, if I get, um, we only worked four days a week, four 10 hour days, and you clocked in and left whenever you wanted. So it was almost entrepreneur. That's okay. What, yeah. yeah. Like your first thing okay. for me. Um, and, or you could work, you know, a couple eights and then, you know, you know, sk- spread it out. You uh-huh. can do whatever you want. Um, so I remember sitting there looking at how much you get paid per commission. And I came up with a formula that was like, if I get a sale an hour, I'll make $147,000. Up until that point, I wasn't making that kind of money, you know? And so I started like grinding. I just started grinding. And I started getting one, two sales an hour. And then I was breaking the comp plan. And then, uh, you know, uh, I remember getting called into a room thinking I did something wrong. And this lady goes, look, um, you're selling too much. We don't want the... You're selling too yeah, much? Yeah, we don't want... Um, bro. <laughs> I, I swear on my life, my children's life, my grandmother's <laughs> life, this is a, a true story, right? This lady says, you're selling too much. And what you're going to do is they're going to say we make too much money if you keep selling at this rate and they're going to lower the pay for everyone else. You know, everyone here, we're, we're in this together. We're a team. So we're going to limit you to only 12 outbound calls an hour. Holy like, shit. This is not inbound. This is outbound calls. So if you've ever done outbound calls, Bro, you're know. not getting yeah. answers, especially not at 8 in the morning. And because I want, I loved having a three-day weekend, because that's why I, it was enticing. Yeah. Because I loved having a three-day weekend. I was only working Monday through Thursday. You know, Damn. and so, um, you know, eight o'clock would go by. I would get my 12 dollars. She literally sat in her office and watched to make sure I didn't get to 12. I remember one time I did and like it was like 14 dials and she's yelling out of her office. Sam, you did 14. And I'm like, all right, Jesus. So now I have to be really skilled. Yeah. And I, you know, regardless of how I felt then that lesson is what made me more skillful on every call. I made every call count. You know? Right, no, of course. And so if you're ever in sales, you know people don't make every call count. If we do everything we're supposed to do on every single call, on every single lesson and training that you've ever listened to in sales, you'll be a billionaire, yeah, right? Absolutely. If you really follow a system, right? The systems work. If Grant Cardone tells you to do something, Jordan Belford, whoever tells you to do something, it's because it's proven. Right? Exactly. exactly. And so, um, you know, I, I started just being attentive on every call and making it count. And they took me off the program because I made too much money. 
and that everyone is, was that young. is insane. And so then I go to another program, and then I finally a friend of mine was like, "Hey, there's a open house for a Fortune 100 property and casualty company." Um, I didn't want to go because I was making more money than I've ever made in my life. I was like, "Dude, I work when I want to. I leave when I want to. I have three day weekends." They're a five day company. No way. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> right. And yeah. so, and they do one day on the weekend. Oh, no, I love going to the beach. You know, I had yeah. a body then. Yeah. You know, now I look like a beach whale. But, <laughs> you know, back then I was like great white shark, just not white. <laughs> so, um, oh, man. but uh, yeah, man, I went. I was the only one who got the job out of all the friends who went. And I went there and it was just like stealing candy from a baby. But it wouldn't have been without that first position that allowed me to realize, hey, if you are intentional on every single call, you'll win. You made it count. And it's not and it's not about what I want. Like the people hear the saying the customer is always right. And then they fight the customer. Understanding what someone wants and someone needs is so important to 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 get a common goal, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so like if we go to a car lot and you're in the you're in the market for an Aston Martin and I show you a Toyota Corolla hybrid <laughs> hybrid because it gives me a higher commission, don't know how that would work, but yeah. it gives me a higher commission, you're not going to buy from me. Absolutely not. So I made sure that every call I was just listening to the customer um and I became the number one agent in my department in the nation. Everyone knows. Um, we're, you know, one circle of excellence and stuff like that. It's where I met, you know, Jonas Osius, our, our friend, the guy named Josh Cohen. So we're, we're right now at um, insurance, right? Yeah. So we're in insurance right now. So just to backtrack a little bit. So you, you will so see the first job they were, they paid, essentially you were getting paid too much. Right. Then you had another opportunity that you were getting paid better. Um, I wanted to backtrack back to the rock bottom. So you were with your parents at this time for a little, uh, bit, no. for a little bit. Or did you move back with your parents well, at all? Yeah, I did. I did for a little bit. For a little so bit. When, yeah, I hit rock bottom. I was little, man, it was crazy. I had four roommates. And because I was still in college when I started this business, man, mm-hmm. like it was crazy. So um, I had four roommates. So my rent probably was like $400, $450. Imagine that rent today. Bro, <laughs> I wish. Probably the bathroom wish. for 400 Five-bedroom house, jacuzzi, everything. I, I lived with a DJ, so we had the best parties. Um, but, uh, yeah, I hit rock bottom, and um, it was all because of a misunderstanding. Like, I was just late on rent one, two days, but the landlord, like, like they came at you just was talking so demeaning yeah yeah yeah. and i had been there already for so long paying him on time so i was just like popped off on him and he was like get out and i was like all right cool i don't need this shit anyways Mm -hmm. and um uh i remember at first i went lived somewhere else and i went and lived with my parents for a little bit and but you so basically you 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 got back from i mean you bounced back from rock bottom quick would you say if, in retrospect, it looks quick, but during it, it it's probably like it's, was it a couple yeah. years? Nah, no, nah, no, nah, less than a year. Yeah, less than a year. Um, I had I had been determined that once I left my parents' house, I wasn't going back. And so, um, even that minor setback, it did 
launch into a major comeback. However, um, you know, it was a little difficult for me, like, pride-wise. I think that's when I kind of, like, let yeah, go of the pride. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I had to, like... Cause it was like either you sleep in your car or <laughs> right or you go or you to, got a bed you know you yeah. go to your parents' house and um, you know they they accommodated me well um, they converted the garage into like a mini apartment kind of thing so I had my own entrance and stuff but it wasn't the same like it's not like I was gonna be able to really bring right, it yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so you know. One thing I'm I'm noticing like about everything that you're saying is that that perseverance and that persistence that like failure wasn't an option. Yeah. And for all the listeners, like, is that something that like you want to just flat out say that's like hereditary because it just comes from your parents, or is that something that you saw in someone that that it's just instilled in you? Like, how do you have that resilience to bounce back and not be you know not Look, you you hit rock bottom. You could have just sat there and done nothing with your life. Move back with your family. Move back in with your with your parents, and 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 that's it. And the, the vast majority don't bounce back like this, yeah. like, like like you did. So what 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 is that? What is that quality? Where does that root from? Uh, definitely my parents, but it's also the upbringing. I mean, I played basketball <laughs> like in New York City, the most trash talking. Like, there's no more. There, there, you can't go anywhere in the world that will have more trash talking than um, New York City. outdoor basketball court <laughs> or indoor basketball court in New York City. That's, that's, that's a fact. Philadelphia is probably the closest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, that is true. That is true. that is true. That is true. But, but nothing um, on the West Coast. Yeah, sure. yeah. But, you know, um, it was sports that always made me competitive. Um, I had this, I guess, if I look back, I've always had this desire of just being number one. I just always thought, like, that meant something, and um, and I, I don't know. Yeah, it's my parents playing sports, and just yeah, man, your your environment. How do you quit when there's nothing but opportunity in front of you? Like people come from all over the world to move to New York City, right? To move to U- U.S. now. Now it's Florida, and I'm glad I'm in Florida. <laughs> Don't get it twisted. I love Florida. No no income tax, no state tax. I love it. I love it. Love it, And baby. I'm glad more people are talking about no state taxes in Florida. <laughs> the moment you guys add state taxes, I'm going to Texas or Nevada or somewhere else. Right? Um, Thanks. But, uh, yeah, I, th- I just think it's just like, you know, you watch people come from all over the world. True melting pot, man. I've learned so many languages, learned so many different cultures just because, you know, you see people who literally get on a boat with nothing but the clothes on their backs. Yep. And create empires. No, you're absolutely right. So how, like, if I grew up and was born in America and my parents did everything, there's free public school that's, schooling and back then New York City public schooling was amongst the best in the nation don't know where it is now right how can I do that when I'm and not become successful when I'm watching people come with nothing absolutely they barely know the language no you're absolutely right 
and fact. they are, they become successful. So like, it's just like I think that's what it what it was, man. It's like I felt like I had an upper hand. If you could come to this country, not speak English, not have anything, and become successful. I have an upper hand on you by years because I was born here. I could speak the language. I'm educated here. I just have to find the resources. Now, don't get it twisted. I'm not saying that there's people out there that 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 don't have the support. But luckily, I, w- I was from New York City. And there was always support. <laughs> tough skin, baby. Yeah. That's it. it comes with tough skin. No, it's, 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 it's funny that you say that because, again, going back to the vast majority, the vast majority can't have the outlook of man there's so much opportunity out there and i don't know the reason why but i just want your outlook on this do you think it's purely circumstances that people the way they're brought up kids are brought up as to why they don't see that much opportunity or do you think it's another reason like do you think it's because of your circumstances is why you were able to see so much opportunity or is it more about what you've seen around you and it was like that mentality of like man like why can't i have it I don't know if it's necessarily my direct environment. Like, um, man, everything leads, every little event in your life is important. I can go back and say, if it wasn't for a young woman who just graduated college from somewhere in the South, who moved to New York City, and had a PTA with my mom and said, hey, his New York accent is too thick. He's not going to be able to get a job. He sounds like a New York gangster. Da, da, da. If my parents didn't listen to her and then sign me up for speech therapy, where I had to take the subway, the L train from Canarsie, the first stop in Brooklyn, all the way to Manhattan by myself, people watch my whole ride. Wow. Be exposed to the buildings, be exposed to the people that have wealth. Like, yeah, now in 2023, everyone, there's an Uber black or someone, you know, <laughs> whatever. Right. But back then, there was no such thing. If a millionaire wanted to get from Harlem to Manhattan, like to, to like uh, the financial district, they either were taking a taxi or the subway or the bus. That's so, true. like, I was always true. exposed to that. And so I think because I had I had the ability to just like travel to the city and my grandmother lived in the city as well, like um, it just allowed me to see there was another life outside of the slums and I just wanted to experience it. I just wanted a piece of the pie, whatever that pie meant. I didn't know what it meant. I honestly, if if to become a millionaire, it meant that I had to shovel shit all day. I would do it. I That's do powerful. It. That's powerful, man. Um, when looking back at your entrepreneur journey, right? And like like you said, you, you saw it. It was one of those things like, why can't I do that? Or why can't I be like that? Or why can't I be that individual or grow into that individual? But what at what point in your timeline did it, did entrepreneurship really get like solidified? Like, this is what I, this is my new love. This is what I love to do. Because here's the reality of it. Nobody wakes up passionate about pounding the phones right away, right? You grow, I mean, you can grow to love it, whether it's insurance, whether it's any other industry, solar, whatever, whatever we're talking about. But like nobody gets in that industry and right away they're passionate about it, but they're passionate about 
what it can do for them, what it can do for their life, their why. At what point did entrepreneurship like was that was that solidified? Like this is this is who I am and this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. Um, it's it's always it was always in me. It was always in me. But um I lost my job that I put eight and a half years into and um Damn. And uh still I, I believe still to this day, um, you know, I they took me off the phones for an, a year. Um that year I was uh said to train every new hire or whatever and I had the most successful in fifteen years of that call center, most successful team or whatnot. And um when I lost that, I was like, it didn't matter how many blood, how much blood, sweat, and tears I put in it, someone could take something from me, just because. And, and if you ask around, they used to call it because I broke the comp plan there too. I made over like two hundred ninety something thousand dollars, almost three hundred thousand dollars at a call center, right? And someone in in their corporate office goes, "Why is he making?" Why is he a grade nine making more than a grade 15? Because they graded your, that was how they tracked your salaries and stuff. And they didn't mind if I, they didn't, they didn't ask if I worked six days a week and would go to work at 7.30 or seven in the morning, work till nine, go get breakfast, uh, clock back in at 9.30, work till six, go home for an hour with my kids, come back, work till 10 o'clock, work, do, do that on Saturday just to get there. And so, nor did they see how many times people wanted to quit and came to me for advice or training. Um, and so when they took that from me, I was just like, yo, I could put everything into something and someone could just, just take it away. Just like that. Just like that. And it, and it was off of some BS, you know, like, you know, anyways, um, I, I almost sued them, but then I was like, man, this is just too much. It's not worth it. It's not worth the time. Well, but, you know, about six people got freed because of that. They We did a, a class lawsuit, and they got they got their money, and I was a sacrificial lamb. So I'm And I'm good because I'm in a better position now. So um, when that happened, I was like, this is never going to happen to me again. I don't want to ask anyone if I could take vacation. I just got back from Colorado. I didn't ask you what you want. I, I didn't say, hey, self. Can I take a vacation to Breckenridge, Colorado, and just like shred some mountains? No, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have to do that. I just <laughs> bought my ticket and left, and that was great. That's amazing. And just being able to, I think that's the main thing about what people misunderstand about entrepreneurship. But I mean, I want to talk. I want to use your knowledge here now that look super successful entrepreneur in the insurance space. And when you look at entrepreneurship, I look at entrepreneurship in three pillars, right? And I feel like people have a misconception of entrepreneurship. And then very surface level, I'm going to say that entrepreneurship is a cool thing to put in your Instagram bio. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> shit, yeah. It sure is. Like, everybody wants to be a CEO of something, a president of something, a founder of something, an entrepreneur of something, but doesn't know what it really takes. Bro to get there or to earn that title because everybody's just title hungry. Do you know what the issue is? What is it? Social media, YouTube, you have these influencers, right? And these influencers get online and they're at the beach with their <laughs> laptop 
And then they run into the water, <laughs> they jump in, and they're like, do you want to make millions of dollars from the beach like I did? <laughs> Come join us. Yeah. So all these kids think that these entrepreneurs really are just sitting on the beach all day. That's true. Even if they're doing that now, any entrepreneur, like look at the studio we're in now. I'm sure when he first started, he didn't have a fucking Sony seven yes. or whatever this it, is. Exactly. Whatever that shit was right there. <laughs> exactly. right? I'm exactly. sure he didn't have it. No, he, absolutely not. You know, some people start with just a cell phone, right? And it gets to the point where, like, right now, he's here with us. But there's going to come a time where I can't wait, and I, and I hope he plays this. Um, on repeat when he has his <laughs> large studio, right? And he'll be in Bora Bora and there'll be like text in his place, right? Exactly. No, but exactly. he has to enjoy the journey, the journey of this or you'll never, you'll never, you'll never appreciate the glory. Like people want the, like why do trust fund kids blow all their money? Because they didn't earn it. They didn't earn it. There's a book, an amazing book, Jewish Phenomenon, talks about how, like, and now you bought 2023, now that book probably will cancel me, <laughs> but um, it just talks about how, like, Jewish people accumulated wealth in, in this nation. It's amazing. Like, a lot of the times, like, in, in my community, when you get money, like, in, in our, yeah. you know, when you get money, you go buy a car. <laughs> It's a fact. A depreciating asset. <laughs> That's all we know. So I got do. the same stupid car for eight years. I got a Porsche <laughs> Pinarero, <Pedro. laughs> right? And and um, they just talk about how like it's crazy how generations will lose wealth, right? You have that immigrant like our parents that work hard as hell to get to get the piece of the pie, the American dream, and they make sure that their kids are in great positions. And then their kids maybe make some money for, for that. But by that next generation, guess what? They're broke again. They're broke again. And Absolutely. there's a saying that's going viral now, weak men or something, oh, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh, wish I remembered yeah, it for this moment. About. I know but you're this, about. Isn't, this isn't scripted, so I can't remember. But weak <laughs> men make this and make strong men and da da da. Tough times make whatever. Whatever. I know what you're talking you know, about. Right? Like, tough times make strong men. Strong men make this and this makes that yeah, or whatever yeah. and then it makes weak men so it just shows that there's a cycle no absolutely right and um that's how do you protect people from that cycle is just, you just make your kids always work for something but always like, that is true um, that's, that's anyways issue. back from my tangent right um kids are just looking at influencers and thinking that they could just do it without putting in work and um the truth is when i first started um, this entrepreneurship, I was in the office 7.30 in the morning, every morning, and I couldn't make my first call, phone call till 8 a.m. So why why did you do that? Because I used to get to the office at 7.30 and watch people run from the parking lot to get into the elevator to try to make their first call by 8 a.m., and they always missed it. And I always knew if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I always knew that. Like, bro, from, that's the truth. I, to be a great entrepreneur, I was a great employee. At W2, I did the same thing. My shift didn't start till 9 a.m. I was at the office at 7 when I was a W2 employee. The, de the level of dedication is like I was prepping myself for something that I had no clue. Long hours, 
It's going to require long hours. Everyone is looking at 2023, Sam, but no one remembers 2019, Sam. 7.30 in the morning to 1 a.m., seven days a week. Because all they see is what they see seven on social Seven days a week. And so then you look like an overnight sensation, but it's not overnight. It's sleepless nights. And it's not how you start, it's not how you finish, it's what you do consistently that determines success. That's that's powerful, man. That's powerful. That's nuggets right there. And, um, you know, one thing I noticed from the time we started this conversation to now is you were never chasing money, bro. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, like yeah, you were to make, to to p- pay bills and because you hit rock bottom. and But, like, I just noticed from the time that you spoke, from the start to finish, you haven't brought up money at all and it was never it was never for you it was yes it's about money to make a living but like that didn't define who you are that didn't define success um and i feel like people fail at entrepreneurship because they're chasing the money they're not doing what they love and they always think it's about them yeah and 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 when you said you know being in the office i mean i remember those days too being in the office early as hell 7 30 6 30 in the morning when i was working on the west coast to be leaving the office at 10 30 at night i had a mentor that always told me is like look entrepreneurship you have to treat it as a nine to five in order to be able to choose if you want to work at nine or five (laughs) and 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 that's the reality that people don't see that and i think that i think that with social media and this is this I've gone through this phase too. I think what people are scared to share or 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 put on social media is the struggle. Like yeah. you know, everybody wants to show what's going well for them, yeah, and I feel like that. that's I feel like that's that could be toxic to the social media environment, right? Because yeah. for kids that are coming up, they don't understand that that there's a grind behind it. But on the flip side, I feel like. This is weird, but I feel like there's some sort of awareness that's being built up in the so like in the social media space where they know that it's not all it's not all about the private jets and the yachts and the mansions and the Bentleys anymore. And there's that that awareness is building up, and I don't know where it's coming from, but I know people know that that's not the way to 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 portray entrepreneurship or to let people know that this is what entrepreneurship is about. It's it's a lot. It's a lot more. So back to like what I was talking about, about the three pillars. I feel like there's a three pillars to entrepreneurship. And I want you to kind of uh, par- make this like parallel to your timeline in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship. I think the three pillars to entrepreneurship is you have to know how to sell. Yeah. Then you have to know how to build. Mm-hmm. And most of all, you have to know how to lead. Mm-hmm. There's th- th- there's nothing else, right? I mm-hmm. feel like people think that, you know, I'm good at selling, which makes me a good entrepreneur. Yeah. Oh, I'm good at marketing. That makes me a good entrepreneur. So you talked about how you mastered selling. That's literally the first half of your story. Mm -hmm. But now talk about building, presenting the opportunity to others and what that, what that meant to you. Was that fulfilling? Like talk about that. And then we get into the third phase of it. The building part is just being honest, man. Like a lot of people are so gimmicky, man. Mm -hmm. Like people appreciate honesty. A ton, bro. Like, bro, like, if if you don't have your word, and I, if I can't trust your word, and you don't owe me money, what the fuck do I need you for? Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And so, um, how I've been able to build an organization that sticks is I'm honest. I'm transparent with all my agents. I let them know, look, there's going to be difficult times here, but anything worth having will be difficult. I'm not preaching this story of, 
hey, you're going to work on the beach. You could. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not preaching that story, right? Like, I'll tell them, hey, look, you can get to the beach if you do X, Y, and Z, but it's going to take you X amount of time. This is the formula for success. It is proven. Look at this person. Look at that person. Look at this person. So building, my building is just based on straight honesty. Um, I've been, and I say this all the time, I feel like in order to be, and maybe not 100% of the time, I don't want people to think this, but in order to be a great leader, you have to be a great follower first. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. If you don't know how to follow, you don't. if you want to be a great boss, you want to be a CEO, whatever, I hate the phrase boss. Whenever my agents call me boss, I cringe. I'm your accountability partner. Me too, bro. I'm not your boss. I don't have any ownership on you. What I'm here to do is make sure that whatever your dreams are, you can obtain. Right? And so um, you have to be a great follower and you have to know the, 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 the pulse of not only current, you know, living situations, but what's going on in your business. That's why that undercover boss stuff and that show, I used to watch that all the time. And there are people who are bosses that have no clue what the fuck is going on in their own business. No clue. And if you don't know what's going on in your business, your employees, your downline, your downline, your agents, they'll all see it. And so honesty, transparency, and just genuine care to see the success of others is what got got me to build. I don't, I don't, I don't really, there's no gimmicks. If someone comes to me and I don't think it's going to be a good fit for them, I let them know, look, you can try this, but it's going to require this, that, and and the third. Can you give that? No. That's a fact. Bro, that's huge. And I and I and I think that's bro, it's so key when we're looking at entrepreneurship and there's phases to it. And I feel like at the first phase of entrepreneurship is very selfish. And selfish in the sense of, yo, I gotta wear all the hats. Yep. I gotta learn how to sell. I gotta learn how to market. I gotta learn how to get my own clients. I gotta learn how to manage my book of business. I gotta learn how to manage my time to transitioning to selfless. Let me show the opportunity to others because in order for me to build my business i need to leverage others but the key thing about leveraging others is not stunting their growth right it's not holding them there it's about showing them all right now i'm showing you the system now i'm showing you this but this is how you get to where i'm at by by presenting the opportunity to others and putting people in the position that you're now put in and i feel like and take them with you. And I feel like that's the biggest thing about entrepreneurship where people get so caught up in the in the glory and being in the spotlight that they forget that the true glory is making stories out of others, right? And, and putting them in the position to be able to do what you're doing. And I feel like that. Bro, like, I, I love what you're saying because, you know, I get more fulfillment or satisfaction when I see someone else like break a generational curse, make money that they've never made before. That's why you wake up in the morning, Change bro. their family. That's why you lives. wake up in the morning. I have a 19-year-old kid on my team, bro. Like this kid is able to help his parents with his mortgage. He's That's able to huge. buy his dream car at 19. He's able to do, he's he's starting his own business. I'm I'm showing him the, the, the futures of opening up his own branch in Naples. Wow. Right? Like, 
It's at nineteen, bro. It's crazy. The the money, money like being being like hitting rock bottom a couple of times. Like you realize money come, money goes, but the stories stick with you, bro. And if you've done it once, you could like you know Dwayne Wade used to have like this commercial: fall down seven times, get up eight, bro. So the money, the money's always going to be there. There's no shortage of money in the world. It's abundant, bro. They they keep printing it <laughs> every day. If the government wants something, oh, I want a nuclear bomb. Okay, let, uh, let's print some money. <laughs> let's print some money. Like that's all they'll do. So like, there's no shortage of money, but these lives are just like they're they're fleeting. It's temporary, and and there's a saying that I always like. I don't remember where I got it from, but it's your fingerprints never fade on the lives you touch. Wow! And so every time Whew. I encounter somebody, I want to make sure twenty years, thirty years down the line, that motherfucker Sam helped me get here. Mm-hmm. That's your regardless legacy. if they don't. Regardless if at that time when I tell some of my agents, hey, some of you guys, you know, twenty years from now, y'all might not like me. You'll forget what happens, and that's that. And that's something that I had to be okay with too. You can help someone as much as you want, and they'll get to a point where they become ungrateful, and it's and it, and you can't even take it personal. It's just human nature. People will be people, and you just gotta understand that if you did everything that you know in your heart to heart, and you genuinely did it, you just you know, you, you don't feel upset about it or anything. No, that's and the man. That's that's the truth, and that's powerful and. The last thing that I want to talk about, and then we'll get to the final part of the podcast, is the third pillar, leadership, right? And um, I feel like leadership is another another word that's thrown around just like entrepreneurship, right? It falls, it falls hand in hand. I think entrepreneurship equals leadership, and I think everybody goes through this phase where when they're developing into a leader, it's, it's that mindset of like, you know, how long will it take me to get there? How long will it take me to get there? When will I become a leader? When will I become a leader? And I think that... The moment that you know you're turning into a leader is it goes from how long will I take to get there? How long will t- will I take to get there to how far will I go? How yeah. far will I go? How far will I yeah. go? And that how far will I go is just constantly putting other people um, in a better position, changing their lives. And I feel like, like I said, that's that's going back to the social media thing. I feel like that's the biggest disconnect in social media when people put people somebody's putting entrepreneurship in their in their bio and they're putting you know manager this in their bio they're just worried about the title but they don't know what it takes to get to that title and that title hungriness man is something that like people don't know how to disconnect from or don't know how to earn and um it's just how society is nowadays and that's just that's just the reality of it but if you had to we're gonna get to the last part of the podcast um right now but if you had to sum up everything to the listeners man and your journey to becoming an entrepreneur hitting rock bottom um people very confused with are they chasing entrepreneurship or are they chasing the money what would you what would what would be the advice that you would give i would say maybe give advice that you would give like the 17 18 year old sam lammy with the with with what you know now like what would, what would be what would be something different that you would that you would tell the young Sam Lammy and to all the listeners that are that are on their journey to becoming an entrepreneur. Like what's that what's that advice? Like what's that one one or two things that you would just kind of you would do differently or that you would tell an up up and coming entrepreneur? It's worth it. It's beautiful. That's that's it's it's that simple. It's worth it. Um 
just putting entrepreneur on your bio or leader in your bio doesn't make you one. It's a lifestyle. You have to live it. You have to show it. A leader shows the way, goes the way, and knows the way, right? Um, and you have to put yourself in a circle of individuals that are like-minded. If you don't have individuals like that, again, I didn't have that uh, growing up. You have to put yourself in a position where you're constantly, um, you know, uh, self-developing, whether it's books, whether it's conferences, seminars, uh, uh, YouTube. Like we have some great influencers out there. You yourself, appreciate it, brother. You know, Gary V. Mm-hmm. Gary V. is a positive oh, guy. It's my man. You know, love that guy. Like Gary V. Like is is probably one of my favorite influencers because he's just so positive. He's real too. He's real. He's positive. He's from New York City. <laughs> he's from New York City, <laughs> and he's he's proud to live there yeah. too, bro. He's yeah. proud to live there. So um, just it, it's worth it. Um, the sleepless nights won't last forever, but if you if you stay focused on the end game and you put your all in it without um, compromise. I mean, your friends will want to go to the club and you have to say no. Your friends will want to do things that doesn't produce a return on investment. You're going to have to say no. But you're going to say no and one day you're going to say yes and you're going to say you could pay for it all. You're absolutely right. It's worth it. Bro, that's that's powerful, man. Um, man, appreciate all the nuggets. The last part of this podcast I didn't prepare you for. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's called the final rise. It's yeah. a speed round, speed question. So you gotta oh, answer shit. a question either in one word or right. one sentence. All right, let's do it. All right, so it's five questions, one let's word, one sentence. Am I looking here? Yeah, here, right. here. You look at me; don't even matter. I'm, I'm gonna look. <laughs> I'm gonna look you guys in the eyes so that you guys know that I'm not cheating. So let's go. First question: um, What's the best advice you've ever gotten? One word, one sentence. It's a tough one. I know. Yeah, I've been given a lot of advice. Um, if it's for business, if business or life, anything, whatever you want. Because this is for the listeners, too. Best advice you've ever gotten. Business. Believe it or not, Jonas Osius uh, told me, if it is to be, it's up to me. And that's the truth. I live by that, too, man. That's yeah. that, that's that's a really good one. Even better, what's the worst advice you've ever gotten? Worst advice, a guy who lives in Henderson, Nevada now, uh, <laughs> told me not to start my business because it's too tough. And now I'm whooping his ass in production. Year <laughs> that's on record that's on, on record. record um third question um it's a little bit more of a sentimental question what do you want your girls to think when they hear your name um daddy gave his all for them to have a better life beautiful beautiful that, like amazing that's my why they're my why that's amazing um the book that had the biggest impact on you It's tough. I know if you read, if you read, I read a lot. Um, There's so many of them out there. I remember when I had 
the book that launched me into believing that I can actually like become an entrepreneur and do it. I did it less than a year after reading it was T.D. Jake's Soar. Yeah, heard of it, haven't wrote, uh, read it, but yeah, um, they even have an audio version now. I don't know if they always had one, but I got it as soon as it came out. And he, man, that guy is an orator, bro. Yeah, gosh, can that guy speak? Can he write? Like, man, I had to look up a couple of words. But <laughs> <laughs> I love books like that too. Yeah. You got to Google it right away. But, You're like, what is yeah, that? <laughs> he, he, um, that book, and I remember when he went on tour for that book. I was like following it and it, it was it was the first one that made me, you know, whatever. And then, you know, this John C. Maxwell, almost everything he has, like, um, uh, you know, I, I have a library of just John C. Maxwell. Um, so um, Pioneer it's crazy. It's just like a lot of faith based guys, even though I'm no longer like, you know, like I believe in God, but no longer go to church. But faith based guys like it's. There's something in the water that they got right when it comes to business. Yeah. And I'm and I'm I'm like that too. I don't want to go on a tangent about it. Look, you're you're a man of God, even though you might not bring yourself yeah. to, to to church or, yeah. or, your, or, or your or your or your place of worship, but at the end of the day, man of God and you still believe in believe in faith. So yeah. um and last but not least, um it's my favorite question, man. Um, what do you want people to remember you as when you're when you're gone? Um Genuine person that would give anything and everything to see others succeed. And that's it, bro. So, hey, man, first and foremost, I want to thank you, brother, yeah, thank for coming you, out man. here. This is this was great. We got rise above, baby. Rise above, baby. We got to do this again. And for for the listeners, um, man, looking at looking at Sam's story, uh, one thing that I take away from this is just perseverance and persistence, right? And and looking back at his situation and circumstances. A lot of what he is today, I mean, it just rooted from from his up uh, his upbringing, parents, and um, one thing I really take away from this, and just kind of to sum this up, is look if you're tired of starting over, stop giving up, and that's literally the that's literally the narrative of Sam's story. But um, Sam, let the listeners know how they can find you, brother. Instagram, Facebook, yeah, man, Instagram, Young King Millions, or be, uh, at Become Dynasty. Um, those are my Instagrams. Uh, our website is coming up soon. It's going to be down here, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> website coming soon. Um, but yeah, Sam Millions on Facebook. Appreciate it, guys. And last thing, if you guys love what you're hearing, you love the content, you love the podcast, do me a quick favor. Hit the subscribe button below. Subscribe now, subscribe man. Subscribe now. Playing. Please, please, please. I would appreciate the support. And um want to thank sam again for being on the podcast and uh it, oh yeah if if you guys have any comments or feedback about the podcast any questions you have for sam drop a comment below this is going to be on ig it's going to be on facebook youtube as well and again my name is avi javeri i'm your inner engineer and always remember to prioritize what they can't see let's go let's go discipline symbol it's just remembering what you want. So don't forget to always prioritize what they can't see.